All right, guys, welcome back in the Battle for the Bluegrass podcast. This is episode 16. Coming at you this week, we got a big guest on with us this week, Ethan Moore of LSL, our first Louisville-affiliated guest on this show. Excited about that. We also want to talk a little bit of Copper's Big Board this week. Also, Dacian Nix commits to UCLA. Why didn't UK recruit him? We're going to get into that. Uh, also, an update on the Michael Avenatti scandal slash Nike EYBL problem that we've got going on. Uh, all kinds of good stuff. We got some college football this weekend, but first, Dustin, what you been up to, buddy? Not much, man. Honestly, just got back from church, getting antsy, dude, getting closer and closer to football. You know, I, I can't wait. We're still over a week away from Kentucky and Louisville's games, but we got football this weekend. I cannot wait. Yeah, we finally got some college football this weekend. Florida, Miami is going to kick us off Saturday. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys watch Netflix a lot or the QB1 series, but season three has been really good. I'm not going to give any spoilers here. In fact, I'm not even done with the show yet, uh, but it features Spencer Rattler, Lance LeJean, or LeJean, excuse me, uh, and Kentucky boy, Nick Scalzo. Nick Scalzo. Quarterback commit, well, freshman on UK's campus now, but have you had a chance to watch any of it yet? Honestly, no, I've not. I've seen some highlights, especially on Nick Scalzo's uh, part, uh, but unfortunately, as we all know by now, that Nick Scalzo has tore an ACL again. Makes second time in two years he's tore that same – the same knees toward ACL in it, uh, so he will have to sit out this year, but – I was excited about what he could bring. He wasn't going to do much this year, but the future for him I thought was really bright. Yeah, that's that's always sad to hear. And Nick Scalzo, I mean, he – again, no spoilers will happen on this podcast. Um, but from what I've seen so far, I really like him as a person. Uh, he's a good leader. Um, I know he'd even been touted as maybe the future quarterback at Kentucky – within the next couple of years. And that still may be a possibility. I mean, a torn ACL isn't the end of the world. Um, but, you know, you hate to hear that for him, and you hate to hear that for UK and their quarterback future. It's kind of left in limbo after Wilson leaves. We still got another year of Wilson after this one. Uh, but on, on Nick's front, he's going to have a competition with him uh, with the another freshman there right now. But after this year, you got Bo Allen coming to Kentucky, who was a big-time prospect that a lot of major schools wanted to come play quarterback for him. Uh, but I, I still think Nick can come back. I, you, it just worries you that he's had an ACL tear two years in a row in the exa- exact same knee. Uh, it makes you wonder, you know, is he going to be able to stay healthy? But I think the kid can. I'm excited to see coming on. I'm excited to watch the rest or actually get started on watching season three. It, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it kind of odd to tear the same ACL twice in a row? It, I've always heard that it's stronger when it heals back. Is that is that correct, or is that have you heard the same thing? Yeah, I've heard the same thing. You know, it's like a broken bone. It's it's but when it heals, it's stronger. It builds up around it. It's what I've always been told. Anyway, maybe I'm wrong, but I I don't know, man. It just seems seems odd. There's no doctors on this podcast, that's for sure. But, I mean, that's what I'd always heard, too. And like I said, I mean, I hate to keep going back over it, but you hate to hear that for Nick. And um, if you haven't watched QB1 Season 3 on Netflix, make sure and check it out. It's a really good show. Catch up on the first two seasons. 
absolutely fell in love with Jake Fromm in season one. I became, uh, those of you that don't know, Jake Fromm is Georgia's starting quarterback. And he was on season one. Loved him. Great, great person, seems like. And uh, made me a fan out of him. And I don't know. Just go check out the show. Uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time on it. But just wanted to mention it because I have been watching it. Dustin plans to watch it, and Nick Scalzo was on the show. Um, so check that out. Uh, let's, trans- let's transition into something else. Um, I know Copper's Top 25 Big Board came out earlier this week. And no surprise, Alabama heavy uh, right in the top five. Uh, Jerry Judy is first. That kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, Tua is number four. Uh, but the surprise that that you're that you're hearing right now is that uh, Lynn Bowden is right outside the top 25 from all that we're hearing. Uh, go ahead and expand on that just a little bit. Well, Copper was on uh, uh, the Golic and Wingo show this morning. You know, this is Wednesday Wednesday night when we're, we're doing this. Um, but he said, you know, Lynn Bowden from Kentucky is just outside. He said from the 26 to 30 range is where he has Bowden. He says, in a possible first-round pick. Remember, Bolton's just a junior. I hate to see him leave. I hate to see him leave uh, after his junior year. But, you know, I honestly, I, I he has another year like he did last year, and he's going to be a lot more prominent this year with Snell gone. Uh, you, I think Bolton will be gone. He will be back next year. I bet you're not as, as sad to see him go as Terry Wilson. I promise you that. Um, but if if he does go, if he's a first round grade, he's got to go, right? Yeah, I mean you'd be crazy not to. All these people says four years, four years for which football it's a lot more prominent, but basketball or anything, if you've got a chance to go and you're rated that high, you're crazy to come back. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see what kind of numbers he puts up. I mean the season hasn't even started yet, so I mean you never know what happens. It's a long season. He can move up the board. He can move down. But I, I think if he's a first-rate grade, that, that he ends up going. But uh, didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on Kyber's big board. You know, it's it's LSU, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Auburn, Clemson, Oregon. I mean, that's some of the big schools you see in the top ten. But just wanted to mention that because we are a U.K. Louisville podcast, and Lynn Bowden is right outside the top 25 for everything that we're hearing. Uh, but – Let's transition into some little bit of basketball news, something near and dear to my heart. Dacia Nix had a bit of a weird week. He comes out um, he comes out with his top five and announces that his top five is Alabama, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, and UCLA. And then right around 24 hours later, he commits to UCLA and just kind of takes the basketball world uh, by the blind side. There's been rumors flying around that Kentucky wasn't recruiting him uh, because they had other plans. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, I, th- I think Dustin may have, have a little bit more insight on that. Uh, Kentucky was recruiting him. They was in touch with him, but they hadn't offered him a scholarship. And that's crazy to think about. You're talking about the number one point guard in the class, and Cal hadn't even offered yet. Uh, I don't know why I've heard that, you know, that his defense was a little bit a bit pretty good concern and his shooting was a major concern his shooting ability but he's considered the best passer in the class the best passer in high school regardless of class right now uh, it's just really strange because not only did he announce his top five you know 
yesterday, he he come out and said that he was setting up his official visits to each five of those five schools. And he said he could not wait to go to Kentucky on a visit. Uh, and then, like you said, less than 24 hours later, he's committed to UCLA. So obviously those recruiting visits ain't going to happen now. This ain't football where these guys, you know, say they're 100% committed and decommit the next day. But maybe it is with him. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the, the rumors going around from Jack Pilgrim and, you know, Weingarten and them is that uh, a lot of people in his camp are upset at Kentucky because they hadn't offered. They really thought that the Kentucky should already offered. I don't know why they hadn't. The only thing I can think of is either, A, they're dead set on quickly, because uh, quickly coming back and being a junior and taking that point guard spot over, or they are dead set and really believe they're going to get Christopher and Green to go along with B.J. Boston, and you can put Christopher at the one, Green at the two, and Boston at the three. That's the only thing, reasons I can think of Kentucky hadn't offered him at this point. I've heard that, too, but how do you not offer the best point guard in the class? I mean, not only the best point guard. He's not he's not the, the prototypical uh, scoring point guard. Like He is probably one of the best passers to come out of high school basketball in the last five years. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm hearing across the board. And Nick is just one of those guys. He's he's somebody that not only comes in and improves your program, but he improves those around him because he's such a great passer. His vision is top notch. I mean, I, I'm just taken aback that Kentucky hadn't hadn't offered him. I'm sure they have their reasons. I probably wouldn't agree with them um, because I know what Nick's can do. I've seen what he can do, but. Here we are. I mean, he's committed to UCLA. It's a done deal. But wash my hands of it. Dacia Nick's going to UCLA, not Kentucky. So it is what it is. But uh, you got anything else on that before we, before we move on to something else? Well, one thing to remember, though, I mean, he is the number one ranked point guard in the class, but he's not a top 10. I don't even think he, on most of them he's not really a top 15 recruit. I think he's in between the 15 and 20 range. So it's a it's a weak point guard class, but regardless, what you remember now, quickly was a top two or three point guard in his class. So I mean, he's he's up there too, and I think he'll be back for a junior year because I don't think he starts this year. Uh, but I I wish they would offer him. I'd love to see a guy like him passing. I know Cal's made a statement that he's going to really let up if you if you're not a really good shooter, he's not going to look at you as high no more because you know we've had some issues with that in the last couple of years having people that shoot. I don't know if that played into it or not, uh, but that's that's the only thing I could add. Besides, you know, I guess shout out to Mick Cronin, which we made fun of him. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Like if Mick Cronin starts getting top twenty-five guys at UCLA, they're going to be dangerous. I mean, Mick Cronin is a solid coach when he was at Cincinnati, and he was, you know, he was getting some top one hundred guys, but not many. But, you know, he starts pulling in top 10, top 25 guys. That's scary, especially for people like Arizona and Washington. But, yeah, Arizona Nick's, just have to pay more. Uh, yeah, here we go. Sean Miller, got <laughs> to hit him. Got to hit him before the podcast is over with. But, like I was going to say, um, Nick's, he's currently number 10 on 247. His composite on 247 is 14. So, I mean, he's by all – Intensive purposes. He's at least a top 15 recruit, and Kentucky just missed on him because 
they didn't offer. I mean, he may have went to UCLA anyway, and you'll never know, but um, it sounds like everything that we're hearing that Nix's camp was upset that they hadn't offered. Yeah, I mean, I think the kid really wanted that Kentucky offer, which most of them do, even if they're not going to go to Kentucky. They want that Kentucky offer, that Duke offer, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I, I, I think he was considered a strong UCLA lean for quite a while. Uh, I think it was if Kentucky had offered, I think Kentucky had been right there with UCLA. He possibly still could have went to UCLA. I'm not saying instantly, Kentucky instantly becomes the hands-on favorite. I think they'd have been right there with him, though. But I think it's just a situation where he got tired of dealing with it, got tired of waiting, and just pulled the trigger, I guess. I, I really don't know why, after saying he's going to schedule five visits, that less than 24 hours later, no, I'm not. I'm committing. I don't know. I, I guess we'll never know. But like I said earlier, Dacian Nix committed to UCLA, not going to go to Kentucky. Kentucky obviously had other plans. I'm sure we'll find out what those are soon enough. Because I don't think Cal can keep his mouth shut about it. I think he's going to come out and be like, this is why we didn't recruit the kid. Eventually, it's going to come out. Uh, So we'll have to see. But after we wrapped up the podcast last week, I mean, literally less than an hour later, more Avenatti news comes out. Just our luck. But evidently, discovery was granted in uh, in the court case. And per the court case... Per Yahoo report, a series of text messages from 2017 between John Stovall and EYBL manager Jamal James basically planned to potentially pay three named players, Zion Williamson, Romeo Langford, and a player from Michigan whose name has been redacted, also known as uh, Imani Bates. But And then there was also a document that was uncovered it was an email from mel mcdonald to the handler of deandre ayton kind of given like a, a an invoice of what had been spent on ayton which was totaled up to be sixty five thousand eight hundred and forty dollars in expenses so this looks like alvinati wasn't full of it this time he actually had some tangible information here well like i said sometimes it takes a bad guy to catch a bad guy and I'm, I ain't scared to say it. Avenatti's a bad guy, you know, being convicted of lying to Congress and everything else, like I said last time. Uh, but I want to mention one thing here that I should have mentioned last week and didn't. Every one of these players that's been talked about has been linked. Not a single one of them's ended up at Kentucky, and Kentucky's been recruiting a lot of them. I feel pretty happy about that because, uh, you know, Zion, uh, Aiton, every one of them Kentucky was in on. Every one of them decided to go somewhere else. So maybe Kentucky said, I ain't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to say that to existence until I'm proven wrong. So <laughs> you show me the same thing. <laughs> well, you count your blessings that you didn't get Aiton because it looks like he's right in the middle of this, and he's going to be every win that Arizona got while he was on campus is going to be vacated. If the NCAA sticks to what they've done in the past, that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, am I wrong about that? Oh yeah. I mean, you're not you're not wrong at all. It's 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 happened every time. I mean, now they're not even scared to take away championships. You know that all too well. Shots fired again. I mean, it's just every podcast. It's something. But the only thing with Williamson Langford and Imani Bates is there's no actual money trail. It's just text messages that say that they're planned to pay. But with DeAndre Ayton, there's actually an invoice list 
of money that they've spent. And there, I, f- I failed to mention uh, there was also an email that contained uh, apparent payouts to those close to Aiton, such as uh, $5,000 for Christmas gifts, $3,000 for fel- cell phones, that type of thing. So this seems pretty extensive for Aiton. And if Aiton's there, you know that there's others. You know, as bad as I hate to admit it, and it's as wonderful it is for Big Blue Nation fans, Zion Williamson looks more and more like he got some money from somewhere. So did Romeo. Um, and I guess Amani Bates' cash cow is dried up at this point, but uh, it looks like they had plans to pay him. I don't know what comes out of all this, but it looks more and more every week like it's actually going to be something towards Nike. The sad thing is these colleges are probably going to skate. They're they're probably going to skate right by and nothing's going to happen to them because they can't tie the money directly to the programs. But I still think you have some wins vacated. Oh, definitely. But now in Amani Bates' situation, the, the most likely when he graduates out of high school, the, the rule will be lifted and he'll be able to go straight to the NBA. Uh, so in his situation, he probably ain't got much to worry about. He can do that or go overseas, especially with his talent. I mean, like you said, he's supposed to be the best high school athlete in since what LeBron. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't think he has much to worry about on his front. Uh, but all these other guys, they've done been at school. So <laughs> everywhere they've been. The, the, what's sad about this, though, Derek, is the, the, the players that's been mentioned, they don't have to worry about it anyway. They're in the NBA making millions. They can care less. They don't have to. It's just it's the schools and the players that's left behind that has to worry about it. That's the worst part about it. Like when Memphis is, you know, they got vacated, their final four. That didn't bother. I mean, I'm sure it bothered Derrick Rose in a roundabout way, but it didn't affect him. He's in the NBA making millions of dollars, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because we've got a lot of stuff to get to. But, I mean, they need to find out. uh, They need to figure out another way to punish these schools. And I think it's monetarily. I think it's you slap them with such a big fine that it can't be ignored. I mean – 10 million plus is 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 the number that I had in mind. And I've heard a couple other people throw that out there. Um, but you've got to get away from punishing these kids that weren't even on campus when it happened. Especially, you know, this is going to make me sound like a homer, but even if Louisville wasn't involved, the fact that the school president's different, the athletic director's different, all the coaching staff is different. All the players are different. And yet they're going to be slapped with a punishment uh, at Louisville, is who I'm speaking of, at Louisville, that not one person associated with the basketball program is the same people that committed the, the quote crime, for lack of a better word. And they're probably going to have to sit out a season when they had absolutely nothing to do with it. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. That's exactly my point. I mean, it's going to affect the ones that's there now. Who's it not going to affect? The ones who broke the rules in the first place. It don't matter to them. They're gone. Uh, like you said, uh, something's uh, got to happen. I don't know how they go about it, but I've always said this. It ain't right for the schools to be punished for what one single person's done. Who It's not going to affect them at one point at, at all. They're making their millions of dollars or whatever be the situation, but it don't affect them. It's It's not right. Yeah, I mean it's 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 absolutely crazy, but 
we're we're running over things that we've already been over before. Anybody that's listened to this podcast has heard us rant about this time and time again. But uh, we have an interview on this week. I want to get to that as quickly as possible. Uh, we have Ethan Moore on with us from Louisville Sports Live. We're going to get into some stuff with him about mostly Louisville football. Also talk about some Louisville basketball stuff. But uh, uh, let's get into that interview right now. All right. We are joined by Ethan Moore of Louisville Sports Live. Thank you for being with us tonight, Ethan. Happy to be with you, Derek. All right. We're just going to jump right into some stuff. Uh, You are the first Louisville guest on this podcast. You don't know how much it means to me. I've had to deal with all this Big Blue Nation stuff. So really appreciate it. I'm sorry. I apologize, man. (laughs) It's a shame you had to do that. Well, we talked to Aaron Torres a few weeks ago, and he he talked about getting Nick Coffey to come on, but that hasn't happened yet. So you are the first, sir. All right. Happy, happy to be that. Anyway, let's just jump right into it. Louisville football season is, you know, it's, it's a bit of a rebuilding year, but it's right around the corner. Uh, how much of a step forward do you think Puma Pass takes this year as opposed to last year? It's really difficult to, to ascertain that because we've heard the mixed reviews so far from spring brawl or fall camp, rather. The first scrimmage, reportedly, he did not play well at all. However, the second scrimmage, he did play well. I think if you want to term it or give it a term of how well he's played, I think probably average would be um, how he's performed so far. I do think he'll take a step forward. I think you'll see his completion percentage increase. I think we'll have more touchdown passes and interceptions. Of course, last year he completed just 54% of his passes, had eight touchdowns to just 12 interceptions. That's obviously not going to get the job done. I think Coach Satterfield, Coach Lefford, and Coach Ponce are going to put him in a, in a situation to improve him statistically and to help the cars move the ball down the field. Uh, I think – we're not going to see a lot of high-risk throws. I think it's important. Coach Satterfield has said numerous times that he has to be good uh, with making decisions. He has to make decisions quicker. I think we're going to see that. And as a result of that, I think you're going to see him complete uh, passes at a higher clip and then throw for more touchdowns as well. A lot of, sc- a lot of uh, screen passes, a lot of passes out to the flat, three-step drops, five-step outs, etc. I think that that's something that – uh, he did at App State with his quarterbacks that they can be a dual threat type of guy as well. And I think that's what we're going to see from from pass going forward. So to answer your question, I think we're going to see um, him make some progress. Um, I don't want to put numbers on it because, again, he's been uneven in fall camp. But I think overall completion percentage and his touchdown to interception ratio will be much improved. Well, that's, that's great to hear if you're a Louisville fan because I know – he was so highly touted coming out of high school. Everyone was so excited to get him on campus. And he just hasn't kind of lived up to what we all thought it was going to be. So hopefully he takes a step forward this year. I know me personally, I want to see him take a step forward. And frankly, we need it, you know, as a program. But um, moving on to one more thing, um, what do you think the greatest area of concern is on this team? Would it be – DBs, would it be O-line? Do you think it's just depth across the board, or, or what do you think? Well, I think I, I would put them um, as a tie. I think defensive line and then overall depth. 
think with the defensive line, you do have some talent there. Tiberius Peterson is one name, but Chi Robinson has underperformed, I think, if we're being honest. However, he still is hurt. He was in a walking boot on media day a couple of weeks ago. Um, to my knowledge, he still has not been able to play. Um, so Louisville has taken a hit there. I think Ty Tyler is certainly a talented prospect. The kid, the kid from Marshall who had eight sacks for the Thundering Herd. He was an all-conference player in Conference USA. That, that will certainly help the cards. But I think the defensive line is a microcosm of the issues with the with the whole team, and that is depth overall. There, there's some talent in places on both sides of the ball, but I think overall depth is a major concern. If the cars can stay relatively healthy, uh, I think there's there's chances for success. But if there's uh, you know if there's a major injury on either side of the ball, that could that could certainly um, do a lot of damage for Louisville in, in short order, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much what everybody said. And from what I've heard from Satterfield himself, that's been his main concern as far as just overall depth. And, you know, it seems like we're really good on the first string, but when we get to that second and third string, it gets really thin. Yeah, it's going to be an issue all season long. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Uh, another thing, uh, kind of stepping back in time just for a second, in your opinion, Ethan, like you've – got your ear to the ground there in Louisville what do you think caused this team to just completely implode last year I think it was the fact that uh, Petrino and his staff didn't have um, did a very poor job of establishing relationships with the players off the field um, so they didn't get that buy-in I think the way he treated them uh, verbally when when things went sour um, and then also, I think after the Florida State game, although Petrino took blame publicly, apparently he was blaming the players for that um, in private. And I think that is when um, all was lost. I think certainly Louisville was in position to beat Florida State. Petrino had the horrendous play call, uh, of course, with pass throwing on first down with the ball on the 19-yard line when the simple play, the smart play was to run the ball for Florida State to call timeouts, run more time off the clock, et cetera. That didn't happen. It was a bad – it was a horrible play call, but then pass, um, didn't execute and threw a pick. The rest was history. After that, the players felt that uh, Coach Petrino didn't have the players back. Um, and then also, uh, the assistants, the assistant coaches simply aren't very good. And Nick Petrino uh, was was in no shape ready to be a Division One Power Five quarterbacks coach i think uh, lorenzo ward was not a very good secondary coach uh, brian van gorder uh, sucked as a defensive coordinator he has uh for the better part of a decade when you have when you have that when the players not buying in the assistant coaches not up to snuff that was the recipe for disaster yeah um one more thing i just kind of want to look at the past and i haven't really heard a whole lot of people address this but i just wanted to throw this out to you and see what you thought Lamar Jackson, phenomenal talent, by far the best, if, or I should say one of the best, arguably the best player to ever come out of Louisville football. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner, but is it a testament to his talent? Was Petrino kind of in the wings, kind of holding him back? Okay, let me, re- let me reframe that, Ethan. As good as Lamar Jackson was, 
did Petrino hurt him, help him, or do you think he would have been better somewhere else? No, I think Petrino certainly helped him. I mean, you have to give Petrino credit. I mean, he won a Heisman Trophy um, with him uh, being the coach, although I think overall Louisville woefully underachieved with him as the quarterback. So I think both can be said there. Um, So uh, as far as that's concerned, I think that Petrino got too predictable with his play calling. But Lamar, at the end of the day, Lamar masked a whole lot of issues with Louisville football. Uh, The defense was terrible, especially his last year uh, at Louisville. Uh, And if it wasn't for Lamar, Louisville wouldn't have won eight or nine games, um, period. I think we would have seen a lot of the same issues. Jair Alexander on the defensive side of the ball was um, a huge catalyst on the defense having any success at all. Uh, but those two guys amassed a, a whole lot of issues for Louisville football. I don't think Petrino necessarily held them back. I think you give credit to Petrino uh, for developing him. But at the same time, yeah, Louisville still woefully underachieved with Lamar as the starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I guess that a roundabout way is what I was trying to say was how much did Lamar cover up Petrino's shortcomings. But let's let's touch on one more thing about football before we move on to some basketball stuff. Um, the over-under for Louisville football this year has been set at three and a half. If you're betting on the Cardinals this year, do you take the over or the under? Derek, as a betting man, I'm still trying to decide that for myself, but I'll answer <laughs> your question. I would say yes, if they're healthy. Um, but I, I'm saying the Cards win four games this year. I, I don't think they're going to be in bowl contention. Uh, I think they beat Eastern Western, Boston College, um, maybe a Florida State, maybe a Wake Forest, something like that. But, yeah, I think four four wins would be um, the ceiling if, uh, if I'm a betting man. As much as I hate to disagree with you, Ethan, I mean, I mean I'm sure you know more about it than I do, but – it's, it will be hard for me to take four games with this little team. Uh, like, Satterfield has been uh, adamant about the depth being uh, woefully bad at, at the second and third level. So, yeah, I probably would take the under on that. But I hope you're right. I, I want to be proven well, Derek, I'm, I said I thought Louisville was going to win eight games last year and they won two, <laughs> so you may know more than I do. I, I doubt that. I think everybody thought Louisville was going to win eight games last year. Yeah, most people said seven or eight at least. Yeah, it's it, it was a crazy year. Glad that's over with. Hopefully move forward and move in the right direction. But let's transition to some basketball. Um, I know David Johnson went down with a shoulder injury. He's uh, expected to be out probably till the 1st of December is what it looks like. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but – uh, there's been some reports from Chris Mack saying that he was the best freshman on campus until he got hurt. So how good is David Johnson? Well, I, I had heard that he was um, penciled in as the starter at, at the one. So he obviously has a lot of skill, um, awful timing uh, as well. But I heard the recovery, is go- the recovery process is going well. So that's good. Um, and then maybe it'll allow Fresh Kimball to, to really get his – 
his feet wet uh, to get a lot more experience being the starting point guard and them. They can ease David back into the rotation. But I certainly think, I mean, after Samuel Williamson, if you want to rank the freshman, I would put David Johnson solidly um, at the, as the second best prospect in this 2019 class. That's so refreshing to hear because no one was talking about David Johnson starting at the one that I can remember. I think you guys on LSL may have hinted at it, um, but with his vision, I was convinced that by come January 1 that he was going to be a starter on this team. That's probably not going to happen now, but had he not got injured, I think that would have been a real possibility. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. Uh, you had Jake Weingarten on your uh, show, LSL, earlier this evening. Um, did, did he give you an update on the 2020 recruiting class? And if so, uh, who's the targets that he was talking about looking at? He did indeed. Uh, Cam Hayes, who is a point guard prospect out of North Carolina. Currently, he is set uh, to be in the 2021 class. However, um, he thinks as though he will reclassify to the 2020 class. He thinks that Louisville leads for him right now. He's a four-star prospect, top 50 guy um, on the national recruiting boards. Uh, of course, he talked about Louisville Live, how that has been such a um, – a fantastic product for recruits. They, they, he has stated repeatedly how many times recruits tell him about how that, that atmosphere and how much they love it. it was one of the reasons Aiden Gahan committed to Louisville was the love that he felt at Louisville Live. Of course, DJ Stewart uh, potentially will be visiting Louisville Live as well as Caleb Love. That is the number one recruiting target at the point guard position. Um, so it's big to get those guys there um, at Louisville Live. Uh, there's going to be a couple other guys uh, that will be visiting throughout the month of September. And then there's a new name, I believe, Eugene Jackson. He'll be visiting in October. He's a top 75 four-star prospect. Um, it's kind of a new name that the staff is has reached out to. So that's um, another name to kind of keep, keep in mind um, that could certainly, uh, I don't want to say commit. Uh, he said all these guys, though, um, they're right now that are considering Louisville. They're not going to be um, committing anytime soon. Um, he doesn't have like a timetable per se on uh, when these guys could commit, but that, you know, it's, it's big to get these guys on campus. And there's, there's certainly going to be an influx of a lot of people that, that will be visiting. So that's certainly good to hear there as well. Another name, uh, Jamon, uh, Jamin, excuse me, Brakefield, he plays in Huntington Prep. He'll also be at Louisville Live. And he is, of course, uh, Huntington Prep teammates with Quinn Slazinski. Um, so those are the three guys, Brakefield, Love, and Stewart, that will be at Louisville Live. Uh, Josh Hall is another top 54-star guy that will be visiting September 1st. And then uh, Davon Smith, another point guard, uh, really undersized guy at 5'11". Um, he will be visiting as well. Um, on September 6th. So there's there's some names. And then uh, Namari Burnett will be visiting officially on September 13th. He took an unofficial visit this past uh, winter for the Virginia game. Really loved uh, UofL and the atmosphere. So that's another name to watch as well. Yeah, I know they've been in on Brakefield for a really <clears throat> long time. I know UK is, is kind of in on him too. 
Um, but that is a really stacked stable of point guards. And I know that's a big need for them in the 2020 class. And any one of those guys, uh, Louisville will be lucky to have if we can get a commitment out of at least one of them. Uh, but Eugene Jackson, that's a name I hadn't even heard on the radar yet. I'll have to check in on that. Yes. is he, Let me double check his last name. Uh, I know it's – I'm pretty sure – that's what it is. It's uh, Eugene. I'm sorry, Eugene Brown. He will be visiting Brown. October, October fourth to the sixth. Again, the top uh, 75 four-star guy, uh, small forward type, stretch forward guy. Uh, there. All right, Ethan. We appreciate the insight on that. One more thing I want to hit on before I let you go, if you don't care. Um, you're known as a shoe guy, and. Uh, I guess that's a branding thing. With the Yum Center floor the way it is with the Duncan Cardinal starting in the practice facility, moving to the Yum Center, do you think there's any speculation on Louisville might be in the the primary stages of rebranding? As far as I know, I think um, you know the Duncan Cardinal will be continue to be a staple. I don't. I haven't heard anything about. Um, them potentially uh changing that at all um i you know i think you're going to see the duncan cardinal more and more but i still think as far as i know with the the louisville logos that's the same thing that we're going to be seeing for a while the typical cardinal with teeth um uh, still being the the primary logo but we are uh, from at least a basketball perspective going to see that duncan cardinal a lot more that's always good to hear. Like the Duncan Cardinal is the symbol that unites the city. It seems like, and I know uh, there was a, a huge positive uh, on Twitter, especially from the Louisville fan base when the Duncan Cardinal came to the Yum Center. But Ethan, we really appreciate you coming on and doing this interview with us, uh, guys. Check out Ethan on uh, LSL usually on Wednesdays uh, at six. Is that correct? Yes, sir. 93.9 The Bill. All right. Check them out. Ethan, uh, we appreciate the interview, buddy, and have a good one. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, guys. That was Ethan Moore, our first Louisville guest on this show, as I've already mentioned. Some great insight from Ethan. Uh, We talked some football, and uh, excellent, excellent insight from him. Glad to hear Jake came on the show and gave him some insight. Kind of sad to hear that Louisville isn't planning to rebrand. I kind of thought that, but I just wanted to bring it up to Ethan because he is the man that knows. He knows all this stuff. But uh, something that I didn't know that I mentioned or that I brought up in the interview, I did not know that Jamin Brakefield has cut his list to top 10. And UK is not on it. I specifically mentioned Kentucky being in on him uh, and Come to find out, Dustin informed me after the interview that he cut his list and Kentucky's not on it. Uh, but Louisville is there, and I'm excited about that. Uh, former teammate of Quinn Slazinski, who's on campus right now as a freshman. Um, so, uh, looks like he's not going to be wearing the blue and white of Kentucky. Happy about that. Um, one, another thing I wanted to hit on before we close the show out, uh, UK had two football commits over the past week. Some some pretty big names, some pretty big recruits. Uh, Dustin, who were those recruits that they landed? Uh, first of all, hopefully I don't slaughter his kid's last name, is Trayvon Ripka uh, out of Tennessee. And don't know a whole lot about the kid. I know he's a four-star. 
chose Kentucky over Tennessee. But watching his commitment video, he instantly shoots to the top of my favorites list, man. Anybody that listens to this podcast knows how I feel about Tennessee. Uh, in his uh, commitment video, he's holding up a Tennessee shirt right in front of him. That's all you can see is a Tennessee shirt in his face. He just randomly just drops the Tennessee shirt and lets it fall to the floor. And he's wearing a Kentucky shirt underneath it to announce, you know, he's coming to Kentucky. So that he instantly jumps to the top of my list. But this, you know, that's a big commitment for <laughs> Yeah. You know me, but that's yeah a, a, another defensive lineman that's committed. Uh, Kentucky has learned to compete in the SEC, man. It starts in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, and they are really stacking up on them. Uh, he was one of them we got. The other one was uh, Buford, uh, was his name, out of uh, another recruit out of Michigan, man. Clean Scale is doing work in Michigan. That's his area. Uh you know, we have uh, Bully, Bully Ball McCall from our few years ago, which was teammates with Justin Rogers, who is now committed to Kentucky, a five-star defensive lineman. And now this kid, this kid chose uh, Kentucky over Auburn, Missouri, uh, and others. Uh, so it's that, depending on which rankings you look at, which recruiting site, but that gives us 16 commitments for next year. At least eight of those six, or eight of those 16 has been rated a four-star by at least one recruiting service or another. Like I said, it's going to be a huge class. Uh, maybe not numbers wise, but as far as their star average, uh, that moves Kentucky into the top 25 in the recruiting rankings. And it's not, and it has staying power. It ain't one where they just got a bunch of three stars. And when everybody else starts getting more commitments, they're going to fall down in the thirties or forties. Uh, I think you see Kentucky stay in the top 25 in the recruiting class. Uh, one has us as high as 20th. Uh, and, uh, the other one has us, I think 24th, but even better in both instances. Uh, these two commitments made us jump Tennessee in the recruiting rankings. So just another shout out Tennessee, you know, ha ha. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but like I guess Kentucky 16 commitments for the class. Uh, the average ranking is I think fourth in the S rated, you know, fourth in the SEC uh, as far as star averages. But this is going to be, you know, hopefully Kentucky can win. You know, if they like we said earlier, if they win seven games, I think you see at least seven. I think you see the recruitment uh, still keep going without any backfires, but they don't. You might see some of these kids decommit. Dustin, you better be careful, buddy. You live in Tennessee. You're going to come home. Your house is going to be TP'd or something. I mean, you can't just be just hating on Tennessee like that. The fans down there may be misguided, but they're passionate. <laughs> Derek, how long have you known me? Too long. Longer there, there, than I longer than I want to at this point. <laughs> there is absolutely no chill to my Tennessee hate, buddy. And people down here know it. Like every day I go to work down here, I, I'm finding somebody to give heck for for it. And it's it's that's never going to stop. In what world did we, as as kids growing up, think that Kentucky was going to be better than Tennessee in football? I didn't. <laughs> I, no. I dreamed it. I played at my backyard, you know, our front yard. I always beating Tennessee, but in my head, no, I never saw it happening. Yeah, that, I mean, that's insane to me, looking back on it. I mean, I, there's just no way that could be possible. But uh, we're going to wrap the show up with one more thing. We have football this weekend. It may not be Kentucky. It may not be Louisville. But we're going to talk about it real quick. Uh, this Saturday, 7 o'clock ESPN, Miami at Florida. Uh, Florida is a seven point favorite. I'm just going to, uh, we're just going to do a quick over and under Dustin. Do you take Florida 
or Miami with the spread? Well, to start with, the the lines moved. It started off at eight, I think, and it's moved up to seven, I think, because everybody was taking Miami at that point. Uh, out of seven, I, man, that's, that's going to be close. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, well, it could be a low-scoring game. I don't know because both of them kind of struggle defensively. They got a lot of questions defensively, put it that way. Uh, I want to pull for Miami here, and I hope Miami does win. Uh, but I honestly, I guess I'll take uh, Florida to cover the spread. You didn't take UK's former commit. You mean two former commit two times two times. <laughs> I'm in agreement with you. I mean, this has got to be Florida here. I think they cover the spread at seven. There's just too much talent. Um, Miami's, you know, Miami's the U, but it's not the U that we grew up with. And, I mean, they're not terrible by any means, but I just don't think they're on the level to compete with Florida, especially in week one. In the early, you know, in the first four weeks, you really see talent shine. If You know what I'm saying? Because... These teams are still finding their chemistry, and the talent seems to shine in the first four weeks. If this was later in the season, I think it'd be a little bit closer game, maybe. But I'll take Florida and give me Florida and um, giving seven. So um, I guess that's going to do it for episode sixteen. We really, again, we really appreciate Ethan coming on. Uh, check his show out, LSL Wednesday evenings at six o'clock. Find us on Twitter. Uh, we're at BFTBG, BFTBG Podcast. Uh, also, shoot us some listener questions on Twitter. Shoot us some listener questions at BFTBGPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Dustin's on Twitter. We are on Apple Podcasts. Get on there. Subscribe and review. Um, but I guess that's going to do it for episode 16. You, you got anything else, man? I want to add one thing, uh, and I'm sure you agree with me on this. I'll, we'll post it on Twitter if we have to, uh, but won't you guys give us some uh, predictions for next week's games? We'll read them off on here. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll give you Twitter or whatever. Unless there's a bunch of them, you know, we'll just read off some of them that we think is the best ones. Uh, but let us know your predictions for the Louisville game as well as the Kentucky game, and we'll see how they match up with ours. That sounds like a plan. All right, look for that on Twitter this week, guys, and uh, that's going to do it for episode 16. Stay classy, Kentucky.